chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we will start in verse number 1. Why don't we do this? I'll read verse 1. You guys read verse 2. I'll read verse 3. You guys go verse... We'll just volley, all right, uh, all the way through uh, to verse number 9. All right, so I'll start with verse 1. You guys come in in verse 2. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible. That means you can't, you can't find anything wrong with it. Right. By many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, when he talks about that promise in verse 4, that's the promise of the Holy Spirit. You learn that from the Gospel of John. For John truly baptized with water. That's John the Baptist. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own... What's the next word? We're going to read verse 8 all together. Ready? But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Eric, if you take us there, sir. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Please be seated if you would. Um, one of the things that I want you to notice in this passage uh, is the word power. Look at verse 7 at the end of that verse, which the Father hath put in his own power. Then he says in verse number 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, let me point out that the young people that went to camp, all right, one of the reasons they got so much out of it was because they were not under the power of this all the time. I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying, hey, it was good for us adults as well. All right. But, but there are things in our lives that have us under their power. And whether you, you may go, oh, I'm not under the power of anything. You're a fool if you think that. 
You're just going to determine which power you are under by what it is you submit to in your life. You are never going to escape this life and go, I'm under nothing else, no other power. I'm not under anybody else's power. I'm just under my own. That's not true. You are under some kind of power. Because the word power is closely associated with the word authority in the scriptures. You are under the authority of something. Someone may go, well, I just worship myself. I'm a humanist, therefore it's just me. Let me just say this. Humanism is satanic. So you're under the devil's power. Uh, You are never under no power at all. You just determine what kind of power you're under. Let me just say this right now. You can have the greatest device if it's not charged and it doesn't get connected to the wall, at some point the battery's going to die and it could cost you thousands of dollars. It will be useless without being connected to the right power source. And you as a believer, listen, the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came inside of you and gave you everything you needed to live the Christian life. But if you don't stay plugged in, you may not lose your salvation, but you'll lose your power with God. And I can tell you right now, guys, there's all kinds of ways to feel power. It doesn't mean that they're all right. You could take a fork and stick it in the wall and bless God, you're going to feel something. (laughs) Amen? It doesn't mean it's the right way to channel that power. Does that make sense? Uh, Listen, I was recently, uh, uh, I don't know, I saw something somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but someone that I know, uh, someone that I knew wrote this thing online, they said, when someone writes or someone says, choose happiness, I just can't stand that. Because like, who here just wants to be depressed? And listen, I, I get what the person was trying to say, but here's the problem with that kind of thinking. The problem with that kind of thinking is this. It kind of leads to a victim mentality, which means this. I don't choose anything. Everything's just put on me. No, life, even when it comes to mental areas, a lot of those things are small little decisions that you make over time where you defile your conscience against God and you put yourself under the power and influence of things you should not be under. And over time, it has a wear and tear effect on your spiritual well-being. It is a matter of what power it is that you are under as a believer. And listen, you know, someone recently said this. I'm, uh, someone said at, at, at camp, giving testimonies, I'm kind of like Samson. I'm a sucker for girls. Anybody ever read the story of Delilah? All right, now let me just say this. I'm just glad, you, you can get upset with me for what I'm about to say. I really don't care at this point. I'm just glad that at least a young man didn't say, I'm a sucker for guys. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, there's things you've got to fight in your life, but at least that one's natural. Uh, but, but what I'm getting at is this. You look, look at the story of Delilah. Let me just say this. You know what Samson was? He was under her power. Here's this big lug of a man, strong guy, and he's under the power of this woman. You say, what is that? Because he put himself in that position. You put yourself every single day to be under the power of something in your life. And if you're not tapped into the right stuff, you will lose your power with God. There's all kinds of Christians all over this country and all over this world. They are powerless believers. They're saved, but they have no power. You go, what do you mean by that? They're not doing anything for God at all. They're not going to leave any kind of legacy at all once they leave this planet. They're going to be here. They're going to eat. They're going to have a job, they're going to make some money, maybe have retirement, and they're going to kick off, and that's it. You say, why? Powerless. The Bible speaks of of, of having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You know what God wants you to have in your life as a believer? Power. He does not want you being a weak 
and, and, and frail believer. He wants you. That does not mean that you are not going to go through hard times in life, but he wants you to have power with him. Not power on your own. Not power in your intellect. This is not, by the way, a contest of who is the smartest. This is not a contest of who can live the best life. This is a matter of how close do you want to walk with God. And that's a choice. That's up to you. And if you don't stay connected to the right things, let me tell you something, you will be connected to the wrong ones. It's just the way that it works. You know what Paul says? He says, I am sold, Romans 7, under sin. You know what that is? That's a power in your life. If you're a born-again Christian, can I say this? You don't have to live under sin. You say, well, and and pastor, I thought you told me when I got saved that I'm going to sin again. I did say that. Yes, that's true. But you don't have to live underneath that for the rest of your entire life. You choose whether you do or not. Listen, let me tell you something right now. If you were someone that was living in fornication before you got saved, and then you get saved, guess what? You've got a choice whether you want to continue doing that or not. Just because you got saved doesn't mean it all goes away. Thank God the sin on your soul is gone. But as far as you walking in that and living in that, that's your choice. Listen, if you were someone that had a problem with lying before you got saved, guess what? You may have to say, God, I need to put this under your power. I don't want to deny the Holy Spirit's power in my life. I want your help with my lying problem. Listen, if you were someone that had a problem with money and you were selfish and greedy before you got saved, guess what? I wish I could tell you, getting saved is going to make you the most generous person in the world. Here's what I will tell you. It will give you the potential to do that. But you choose whether or not you submit to that in your life. You say, why? What power are you under? We tell our kids, hey, <laughs> listen, you ever seen a kid run around with a fork, you know, by the wall and do that kind of thing? And you slap it out of their hand, what are you doing? Well, well mom, I just want to feel the power. <laughs> yeah, that's not the right way. <laughs> but listen, I want you to understand this. There's all kinds of ways to feel power in this life. Look at Acts chapter number 8. It doesn't mean they're all right. Hey, I can get a hit of something and I can feel great. Are you with me? It doesn't mean it's right. I can manipulate people and control them and it doesn't mean it's right. And I can feel like I'm in power. I know, I've got the power. He can break my heart. He can break my heart. Running man. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? All right, brother Joe has no idea. Man, all right, that's fine. He was homeschooled. Amen, that's good. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. <laughs> look if you go to Acts chapter 8. Look at verse number 9. But there was a certain man called Simon. Now watch this. This is, this is interesting. I, I'm fascinated by this because we're going to read about it as a man that gets saved. Yeah. Now let me say this right now. There are not two categories in the Bible. There's not saved and then really saved. There's only saved or lost. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you knew you were a hell-bound sinner and you knew that there was a, the wages of sin is death and you knew that, that, that you deserve to pay that and that Jesus Christ, God loved you enough to send his son in your place to step in and to take your payment on his body on the cross, but God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and you recognize that and you go, you know what? I, I'm going I'm to take option number, uh, option number two, which is I don't pay for my sins. He pays them for me. Amen. All right, listen, then you're saved. However, can I say this? Uh, 
habits from your old life can still follow you. Look at Romans or Acts chapter 8. Look if you would at verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery. He's playing with magic. And bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, watch it. This man is the great what? Just because the guy could do some things that were influential didn't mean he has the right power. But they assumed that it was. Are you with me? Now, now, if you read verse number 11 and, and verse number 12, look at verse number 13. Now, let's, read it, let's just be intellectually honest. According to the scriptures, doesn't that guy get saved? Verse 13, he believed and was baptized. Are you with me? Okay, then, then l- let me ask you this. Look it down at verse number uh, uh, 17. Then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw, same guy, that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them what? Saying, give me also this power. Now look, what, look how Peter responds to him in verse 20. In verse number 20, Peter said to him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Now here's a guy, according to the Bible, who believed. Yeah. And right in the same chapter, he's messing up big time. Anybody get saved here and mess up big time within the same chapter of their life? Yeah. All right, so, so, so you understand. You say, what was the problem? This man was used to power. Now he's saved, and he wants that power, but he doesn't want to go about it the right way. Yeah. You know what that tells me? You can be saved and not want to go about getting God's power the right way. You have to choose in your life that you're going to do it God's way through submitting to the Holy Spirit of God, not so much so that you can feel that you have power. See, there's two kinds of power. One is carnal, which says, I can dominate people, and one is spiritual, which says, God, help me to help people. They're not the same. And Simon wanted, even after he was saved, he was still in his mind thinking, I need to dominate like I used to dominate. And let me just say this right now. That is not biblically the way you should live your life. The power that God wants to give you is to help other people. Let me say this, number one, about this power tonight. It's a relevant power. You say, what do you mean by that? You need it. How do you know? Look back at Acts chapter number one. You know what God doesn't do? He doesn't offer gifts for no reason. You know why God wants to give you something? You need it. (laughs) You know why God offers eternal life to a sinner? Because you need it. Because you are are going in the wrong direction. You are going to eternal death. And if the Bible is right, whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I had a kid one time tell me, I'm not afraid of that. You know, I told him, I said, because you're stupid. He said, well, you're mean. Well, the kid got saved. Don't get too mad at me. You know why I say that? Because you're a fool. If you don't, listen, on I, uh, I-70, if you go, I'm going to cross I-70 and not look both ways, you're crazy. You should have enough fear to go, I don't want to get run over. Right? Listen, if you understand that God said there's an eternal death and, and, and there's an eternal life, and I'm giving you both options, you should be smart enough to go, God, I think I want that one. And listen, the reason God offers eternal life is because you need it. You're not going to make it on your own. Does that make sense? You say, well, I'm a good person. doesn't matter. You're not as good as Jesus Christ. Well, I've been baptized. Well, you got wet. doesn't mean you got saved. 
I joined a church. Well, that's great, but that doesn't make you saved. And so God offers you the gift of eternal life. Thank God for that. He offers you as well his power the moment you get saved. But the power is not for you. Anybody remember the 80s, Nintendo? Anybody? Now you're playing with power. Remember that? Remember the power glove? Man, every kid in the 80s wanted the power glove. Jose, you know what I'm talking about, all right? All right, that, that was like, I don't know, whatever you guys, is, is, uh, I don't even know what in the world you guys play anymore. I was going to go, it's kind of like this, and like, I have no idea what to relate it to. Uh, but look at Acts chapter 1. Can I point out in verse number 8? He says, but ye shall receive what? You know why? Because you need it. Because you can't, listen to me, you can't be what God wants you to be. And you can't do what God wants you to do without his power. Listen, if, you can believe all you want to that your car runs on solar, but if it takes fossil fuels to keep that car going, you can wish all you want, and you can put a big panel on top of your car. It ain't going to run unless you put some gasoline in it. Does that make sense? So you don't determine just because you want it a different way that there's another way to get that power. Someone designed that vehicle to run a certain way. And listen, if it's a, if it's a Tesla or it's electric, great. But let me tell you, if it ain't that and it runs on fossil fuels, you've got to put gas in the tank. And so you as a child of God, you know what God says? There are things I want to do with your life. There are places I want to take you, both geographically and spiritually and emotionally. But you can't get there on your own power. You know what he says? But you shall receive power. You know why? It's relevant. You need it. You need that power in your life to become what God wants you to become. Listen, you know what, you know what happens when the devil shows up to Jesus Christ? Over there in the, in, in the Gospels? He says this. All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. You know what that tells me? That tells me that there's a temptation in our lives to get power in a way that isn't right. And you're either going to fill it with the right kind of power or the wrong kind of power. Now, now I don't want to make this about this subject, but Brother Thomas was talking about music. You know why some music so so so... Uh, 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 spiritually attached to your life because it's powerful. Yeah. I didn't say everything you're listening to is bad. Don't walk in and go, Pastor Adrian said I got to listen to you know whatever sounds like dun 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 dun. dun. I didn't say that, uh, but but what what I am saying is this: that you know what I'm talking about. There's an attachment in your life, and the reason it's there is because you're looking for power, but you're not looking for it God's way. You know what He says? But ye shall receive power. You know why? God made us to have dominion. You know what he does in Genesis 1? He says, ye shall have dominion over the, the land and over the, fr- the animals and over this and over that. And so man craves that. And God goes, I want to give it to you, but it has to come through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ye shall receive power. The Bible says of Jesus Christ, they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Can I say it's supernatural power? You say, why? Some are like, ooh, supernatural, you know? Like, I want to, like, levitate, and maybe I can do that. Maybe, maybe I can do, like, you know, lay hands on someone, and then all of a sudden they, 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 they can see, and they were blind. Can I just say this? When I say supernatural power, in the early church, do you know what God was doing? Doctrinally speaking, I want to make this very clear. God was using signs to confirm the word. Mark chapter 16 is what your Bible says. 
to unbelieving Jews. You know why? Because the Jews required a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. When God calls Moses, what does Moses say? Hey, well, when they, when they challenge him and they go, who sent you? What am I going to say? You tell them I am that I am. Okay, Lord, but, but how am I going to prove it to them? Uh, what do you got in your hand? A rod, throw it down. What happened? Turns into a snake. Okay, grab it. What does it do? Turns into a rod. You, uh, Moses is like, what am I supposed to do with that? Do that when they ask you. And listen, I want you to go and extend your rod out to the water. It turns into blood. You say, why? So what I'm getting at is this. Those supernatural signs that God gave the early church, they were there until the word of God was completed. Now you have a more sure word of prophecy. When I say supernatural power, I'm not talking about you going around and trying to pretend like you're an apostle. What I am talking about is this. God will give you victory over your mouth. God will give you victory over the lust of your heart. God can help you get over yourself. And every time the Holy Spirit bubbles up from within you and says, talk about me, brag about me, tell someone about me, and you're calculating in your head, well, if I do it around them and if I say it like this, and then they're going to think, and I don't know, and then that opportunity goes away. You say, what is that? That's powerless Christianity. Because it's you doing you. No, the world says, you do you. You need to do Jesus. You know what's wrong with too, far often with most of us? We do us way too often, and God wants to do a new work in your life. It's supernatural power. You say, why? Because, you know, people say, well, you're Baptist. You don't talk about the Holy Spirit. That's not Bible. <laughs> Listen, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. I don't care whatever label else I might have. I'll say I'm a Bible-believing Christian. You know what that means? God talks about the Holy Spirit. He mentions that when I get saved, he seals me until the day of redemption. The Bible says in John chapter 14 that he's my comforter. The Bible says he's called the spirit of truth, that he would lead and guide and speak of true things and guide us into all truth. He's a very real person in my life. And he gives that power through the scriptures because as the Bible says of Jesus Christ, he said this, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. You want power, supernatural power? Get in that book. You want supernatural power? Open your mouth about Jesus Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? It is the power of God unto salvation. That's Bible. You know what he says? You want power? Do something that makes you uncomfortable. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Brag about me for once. I was talking to someone the other day. And man, it's just, yeah, it's, it's awkward when you talk about Jesus. You know why? Because people want to change the subject. My daughter was talking to one of our family members and and, and, and talking to her about the Lord, and, and it just seemed like, you know, as soon as I could talk about the dog, let's talk about the dog, then we move on from Jesus to the dog. I could talk about movies, I could talk about music, I could talk about current events, politics, sports, and everyone's fine. You mentioned Jesus, all of a sudden it's kind of like I got constipation, I got something going on, I, something, you say, what is that? I'll tell you what that is, it's supernatural. Now, what I mean by that is this, there's a spiritual work going on that you will not see in any other time of your life than when you're preaching the gospel. I'll never forget, one time I knocked on a door, and someone came to the door, and I started talking, and small talk, and started talking about the gospel. All of a sudden, the phone rings, the kid yells, the dog barks. All at one time, you say, why? Because as soon as you get on that subject, something goes on. That alone should tell you there's something different about this. You say, what is it? Supernatural. You know what the Bible says in Acts chapter 4? It says, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. You know what I like? I like to come to church and kind of see the Lord shake things up a little bit and move us around. You know what, you know what the dangers of you 
the longer you're saved, listen to me, those of you who got saved recently, the longer you're saved, the more you go, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. Yeah, I know that. And you kind of just get like an old barnacle on a ship. And you just kind of sit there. And you don't do anything. That's the danger we all face. You know what the Lord wants to do? He wants to shake things up. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And listen, they spake the word of God with boldness. You say, was that? That's supernatural power. You say, what is that? That power is what God gives to those who are obedient. You know what the difference is between someone that has power as a Christian with God and someone that doesn't? Both saved. Not saved and really saved, just both saved. You know the difference is? One is obedient, one is not. That's it. Someone said, well, pastor, it can't be that simple. Actually, it kind of is. And it's not easy, but it's simple. There's power in preaching it. The Bible says in Acts, there was no small stir about that way when they were preaching. You know what no small stir means? That means things were shaken up pretty good. Look with me, if you would, at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I want to make this very clear. I've had some of these young people ask me about, you know, tarot cards and this kind of stuff. Let me just say this. Just because something is supernatural and there's power doesn't mean it's of God. Look at Mark chapter 5. Can I show you a man that had a lot of power? And it was supernatural, but it was not of God. Look at Mark chapter 5. And they came over on the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, that's Jesus coming out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. You know what that is? Modern vernacular, a demon. All right, so here's this guy with a demon, and look what it says in verse 3. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. This guy's got supernatural strength, and they put chains on him, and they couldn't hold him back. Look at verse 4. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. This is a supernatural power that this man has, but it's an unclean spirit. You, you say, we say, what are you trying to get at? Just because there's power there, doesn't mean it's of God. And listen, I'm warning you tonight, there's some power you should stay away from. And it's supernatural. Well, I'm just curious about it. Uh, Let's not be. Curiosity killed the cat. And it might kill your Christian life too. And you know what you ought to do? Why is it, you ever notice that? You're curious about tarot cards, curious about this, why don't you get more curious about this? Go, God, what, what, about, what about the thoughts in my life? What about the way I treat people in God? What about my lack of burden for souls? How can I be so callous and walk by people and not tell them about Jesus? God, where's the biblical spiritual power in my life? You should be curious about that. This man had a meeting with Jesus, and it wasn't until after he met Jesus. Look down, if you would, at uh, verse number 15. After this man met Jesus, and Jesus called the unclean spirits out of him, and it's a great picture of salvation. Anybody here have some things in their life that just kind of held them back until they met the Lord? Well, look at verse 15. They came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion, that's a multitude of devils in him, sitting and clothed. You say, why? Because before that he was naked. It's a sign of devil possession. He was clothed and in his right mind. Now, the best part is verse 15. Look at the end of the verse. 
you weren't afraid before, but now this guy means Jesus. He's got clothes on. He's not foaming at the mouth. And you're like, oh, my, what a freak. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's the way the world operates. You say, what did this guy have? He had a lot of supernatural power before he was saved. It wasn't the right kind. You need the right kind. You know what it is? It's a personal power. Look back at Acts chapter number one. Aren't you glad for a personal God? Can I, can I ask you, can I challenge you tonight? <laughs> can, can any of you find a place in Scripture where someone's like, God, I know exactly what you're calling me to do, but it doesn't fit my personality. And God's like, oh, you're right, my bad. <laughs> Anybody ever taken one of those personality assessments for a job? A Meyer Briggs, a, uh, one of those, you know, uh, uh, the Achiever. They got these different... Per- I want you to imagine you get one of those and you stand before God and you go, God, I would be a witness for you, but have you seen my Meyer Briggs? <laughs> Lord, have you seen my... Per- Lord, here's my assessment, and I'm sure you haven't seen this yet because I know if you'd seen this, you wouldn't have asked me to do that thing. You wouldn't ask me to be that because that's just not me. Maybe God wants to make you something you're not. That's the idea of salvation. That's the idea of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Can I I say this? And I'm being serious. Try to stay with me. I know there's a lot going on tonight. If a man was abusing his wife and the man got saved, I mean, beating her up and all that, and a man got saved and you knew that he had that problem and he was like, you know what? This is my problem. Would you be like, well, it's just your personality. Absolutely not. So then why do you do it with your thing? Well, it's different. Try explaining that to God. You know what you're saying? Here's what you're saying. Your sin's better than mine. Listen, your personality does not absolve you from doing what God's asked you to do. Or from being what God's asked you to be. You know what can change that? Submitting to the power of God. You know what it is? It's a personal power. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but ye, but ye. You know what Moses said? I'm not eloquent. I'm hard of speech. Joshua's afraid. Someone goes, I said this one time, Joshua's afraid. They're like, where does it say Joshua was afraid? How many times does God tell him not to be? You think God knows something we don't? Like, hey, Josh, don't be afraid. Hey, Josh, don't be afraid. Josh, did I mention you shouldn't be afraid? Uh, maybe he's saying that because Joshua's afraid. Do you understand? Hey, listen, Gideon put out a fleece a number of times. Why? He just wasn't sure of himself. David was too young. Elisha was too old. Peter was too loud. John was too sensitive. And Paul was too crude and brash. God still called him to do something. (laughs) Just like he is with you. Look, if you would have Acts 1 verse 8, can I say this? It's a vocal power. You see, what does that mean? I've had people tell me, preacher, I I just don't get excited about things. And if you're married, I'm like, can I talk to your spouse? Because I, I, I mean, even the most docile of you, you've got a button somewhere. Maybe I haven't found it yet. But I'm, if I go digging around long enough or just ask your spouse or your kids or your roommate, I will find it. You know, people say, I'm just a quiet person. Maybe you are. 
And can I say this? I'm glad not everybody's loud all the time. You know, it's a blessing to have Richard, but if the whole room was Richard, we'd all kill each other. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he's like, don't tell me on the bus, preacher. Don't look at me. What I'm getting at is this. He said, ye shall receive power. Ye shall be witnesses. You weren't here. I had to throw you under the bus. Sorry. You shall be witnesses. You know what that means? I'm going to give you power so you can open your mouth. But God, I don't want to. Yeah, but I'm giving you the power. Yeah, but Lord, I don't want to. It's kind of like, it's kind of like this. The Lord's like, hey, I paid the light bill. Yeah, but can I just flip it off? I mean, I mean, is it really that big of a deal? Lord, can I just, you know, just, just one time? Can I, can I, and every time that the Lord puts on your heart, I want you to talk to that person. Sorry, sister. Bam, in the name of Jesus. And the Lord puts it on your heart to go talk to somebody, and, and you don't. You know what you're doing? You're doing this. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? Or this little light of mine, I'm going to turn it off. You say, what is that? You're cutting off the power. You're doing that yourself. When we lived in South America, <laughs> you've, you that have lived in South Africa, there are times when the power just goes out and and you know what happens as an american you're like whoa dude what happened and they're like yeah this is africa (laughs) tia right it's just the way that hey can i say this that should not be your christian life when the power's not there you need to step back and go what what's did i flip this off he said you shall receive power not so that you can show off how smart you are in the Bible. I'm done with Christians that want to argue all the time. There's a world dying without Jesus Christ. You want to sit in here and argue about stupid stuff? Go knock yourself out. I'm going out there. I want to find a sinner that wants to get saved and wants to get connected to a real and living God. You want to debate amongst yourselves which of you is the greatest? Knock yourself out. That's what the disciples did. And then get them real far. You know what Jesus is looking for today? Some people that will say, you know what, Lord? I want to get plugged into your power. I want you to open my mouth. And God, let me speak. Because God knows I've used my mouth for foolishness for most of my life. You know what David said? Come and see the work of God. You know what Jesus said? Come and see. They asked him where he slept. Come and see. You know what Nathaniel said when they asked him about Jesus? And he's talking about Jesus. He said, hey, come and see. You don't have to know a lot of Bible. You can simply say, come and see. Purpose of this power is to help others. You shall be witnesses unto me. Go with me to Jeremiah 32. Can I show you something? Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32. I'm going to ask for some help tonight. Um... We've got some that are younger and in the potty training stage of life. And I would respectfully ask that when they have to go, take them to the bathroom. Amen. Please, we don't want to mess. But can I encourage you, if you're not four, hold it for a little bit. Because you're distracting a lot of people. Look at Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32, look if you would at verse number 6. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel... The son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. Now you may go, what in the world? What, what is this all about? 
Why are we reading about some field in Anathoth? It sounds like a Star Wars place. And who's Hannah Meal? And who is this? And can I, can I just give you a little bit of, of what's going on here? Jeremiah's been telling everybody, hey, the bad guys are coming, judgment's coming, and we're going down. He's been preaching this to Israel for years. Then he gets a message from his family member that goes, hey, you want to buy my piece of land? Because Jeremiah's been saying, we're all going to go, we're going to be taken away to another country. But here's the good news, God's going to bring us back. And so now Jeremiah, ever, ever heard, you know, you know uh, put up or shut up, you know, kind of like, like, hey, are you serious about this thing? So you're, we're going to go into judgment, and then God is miraculously going to bring us back? Is that what you're saying? And Jeremiah's like, absolutely, yes. I believe the words of God. And then all of a sudden, his family goes, if you believe that, you want to buy a piece of land? Let me ask you a question. If you knew nuclear holocaust was going to come tomorrow, would you be interested in buying real estate? Right. No, you know what Jeremiah does? He buys it. You know why? He wants to prove that his God is true. He puts himself out there a little bit. I want to show you something. Look, if you would, at verse number 9. And I bought the field of Hananiel, my uncle's son, his cousin, that was in Anathoth, and weighed him the money, even 17 shekels of silver. And I, Now, you may go, how much is that in modern money? It's too much if you don't think you're ever going to see it again. That's the answer. That's a lot of coin for something you don't think you're ever going to see again unless you believe God. Now look what he says in verse 10. I subscribed the evidence and sealed it and took, watch it, what's that word? I took witnesses and weighed him the money and the balances. So I took the evidence of the purchase. Now now, let me just stop for a second. Can Can I, time out. You know what the devil says to God? The devil says to God, you're not worth it. You're just a piece of dirt. And God goes, no, 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 that's valuable to me. That soul that Eric has, I'll die for it. That soul that Thomas has, I'll die for it. That, that soul that Stephen has, I'll, I'll die for it. And the devil goes, well, it's just a piece of dirt. But you know what God says? Yeah, but I want it to be my piece of dirt. And you know what he says about you? You're his evidence of a purchase he made 2,000 years ago. Look what he says here. In verse number 11, so I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed. You know what the Bible describes you as? Someone that is sealed by the Spirit of God. That which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was what? You know what the Bible says about your life? It is an open letter known and read of all men. You are sealed with the Spirit, but everyone sees everything out here. You know what you are? You're God's evidence that He's here. You're God's evidence that your soul matters to God. And you know what the Lord wants to do? He wants to take your life that the world would look at and say, that's just a piece of dirt. Who cares about this kid or that kid? Who cares about, and the Lord goes, I do. And he takes your life and he changes it from the inside out. That's God's work in your life. And it's a personal work. And you know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants to stop it. But God has a plan. Go back to Acts chapter one and we'll be done. Aren't you glad that when the world looked at you and said, ah, just a piece of dirt. Ladies, can I say this? If you're married, you are married to a dirt ball. Amen. 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 Because the Bible says that God took Adam from the dust of the ground. 
breathed into his body the breath of life, and that's when man became a living soul. You know what all of us are? We are animated dirt balls. But we're God's animated dirt balls. <laughs> and we're the evidence of his purchase. Look at Acts chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Now, here's his plan. It's not supposed to just stop in Aurora. Tomorrow night, Friday night, Saturday night, you're going to have an opportunity to go out and let your light shine out at the county fair. But you know, it's not meant to just stop here. You know what's really cool? We have, we have people connected to our church from Africa. We have people connected to our church that are missionaries in Russia. We have people that are connected to our church that are in Italy and Papua New Guinea and, and, and Hawaii and, and, and over there in Brazil and Australia. You say, what is that? God's plan is to take your life and to take the power that he's put in you and pass it on to somebody else. Amen. Look at verse 8 at the end of the verse. He says, in Jerusalem, that's Aurora. And in all Judea, that would be our state. And in Samaria, there's our country. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus preached to people from a boat. You say, why? That's where they were. He preached to them in the wilderness. Why? Because that's where they were at. The apostles preached in the street. Why? Because that's where the people were at. They preached in the temple. Why? Because that's where they were at. Wherever God takes you, He wants that power to go with you. <laughs> you don't like lock it in a box and put it somewhere here in the church and then come get it again on Sunday. You take it with you. Can we ask you this? Can, can, you, can you invite a coworker to lunch? <laughs> the next one's going to, I know some of you are not going to like this. If God, I didn't like this. I'm, at, I'm pumping my gas and I'm looking for someone to give a track to. And the Lord's like, I want you to give a track to that lady after you offer to buy her gas. I'm like, oh. Lord, there's this thing called inflation. <laughs> And I know up in heaven there's no need for money, but down here we need it. <laughs> if the Lord burdened you, would you do it? Oh, a soul is priceless, and you won't spend 50 bucks? I don't have it. You ever ask God for it? <laughs> See, we talk a big game about how great our God is, and he puts us on the spot, and we're like, ah. Would you take a coworker to lunch? Would you go bag your neighbor's leaves in the fall? Would you shovel their driveway? You say, why? Just have an opportunity to give them the gospel. God did not intend to give us this power so that we could consume it upon ourselves within the church. He gave us this power so that it would spread beyond. From Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria as Jesus Christ said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. As he says in Luke, among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Why? Because you're witnesses of these things. Aren't you glad for the whosoever's in the Bible? Amen. Whosoever will let him come. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Can I, can I say this tonight? Whosoever of you want the power of God in your life, it's yours. If you're willing to stay plugged in. Let's all stand. Let's all stand.
Father, tonight we come to you. We know it's typically Wednesday night Bible study, but Lord, I pray that if you want to move and you want to deal with hearts, that you can. We don't want to put you in a box. We don't want to make it to where uh, we only do this submission thing on Sundays, Lord. And if there are some areas in our life where we are powerless, or powerless over sin, or powerless over ourselves, powerless over our ego, powerless over our, our thoughts of what people think of us. God, we need your power. <clears throat> Far too often, Lord, we get in the, the mode of robot Christianity. We're just going through the motions, and we come and we open the Bible at the right time, we close it at the right time, we say amen, we go home, and we're not changing. God, I don't want to play religion. This church doesn't want to play religion. God, we want to be different for you. God, help us. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The Lord has dealt with you. The altar is open. Let me just say it like this. The power that God gave was not given to those who are just looking. He says, why stand you here gazing? In other words, why are you just sitting there looking? (laughs) Do something. The power is not given to the gazers, but the doers. Don't be a forgetful hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask a real simple question. If you're saved and you know that you are a child of God, you know that heaven is your home, you know that if your head rests on your pillow tonight, that you're going to heaven, you can slip up your hand and go, yep, I'm a child of God. I know I'm saved. I've asked Jesus Christ to save me. Amen. Hands all over the place. Thank God. That's a blessing. Can I just say this? If you're here and you could not raise your hand, many are praying at the altar and this should be a time of solitude and of silence and reflection and looking inside and not looking around but just thinking and praying with no one looking around. If you're not sure that you're saved, would you be honest enough to go, Preacher, I don't even know what that saved thing is, but I'm not sure that I have that. I don't know that I'm born again. I don't know that I've ever accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm not sure that if I died right now that I'd be in heaven. Or you might be honest enough and go, you know what, I'm pretty sure I'd go to hell. But I don't know. I I won't point you out, I won't drag you down, but would you be honest enough to raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you if that's you. I'll tell you this. It's a terrible thing to reject a loving God's offer of eternal life. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be a new person. And He wants you, once you are saved, to pass it on. <laughs> I feel like I'm, beyond, I'm being very vulnerable with you. It, it's bothered me and grieved me that some of our teens are kind of looking at this like this is a new thing. Can I be honest with you, adults? Kind of shame on us. This is like, oh, we should be doing this. Yeah, we, we should have been showing them the way long ago. But you know, we can do that. We can do it now. <laughs> Can't go back in time, but I can do it now. I just wonder how many people around us are powerless to say no to the temptation, powerless over sin, and we've got the answer. Powerless over the expectation of eternal life, and we've got the answer. Do you got the power? Well, I don't feel like it, preacher. That may be part of the problem. You can't live your entire life by feelings. 
you need to get tapped into the power of God through the truth of the scriptures. Lord, you said you gave it to me. You know what my job is? I'm going to be obedient so I can, I can use that power to do something great for you. That's what God wants. He wants to do that through you. Well, we'll get back to our study on Galatians 5, and we'll talk about faith next Wednesday night. Sunday school will be in the Gospel of John, and Sunday morning, as I mentioned, more than likely, we'll be looking at the subject of strongholds and how you can overcome them in your life, and, and uh, I hope you'll be here for that. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. Uh, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, find someone that looks like they can open a Bible and show you, all right? And uh, I'd love to. We've got other people in this room that would be more than glad to show you how to be saved. Uh, but don't leave without knowing Jesus as your Savior. And if you're a child of God, can I say this? As you walk out, you know what you're going to see? There's a sign right over that door on the way out. And it says, you are now entering the mission field. Because when you leave this place, that's your mission field. Some of you go, oh, I wish God would call me the mission field. He ain't calling you around the world if you won't go across the street. So start, start. let's start there. Amen. Uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you for coming out tonight. Really appreciate it. Uh, Brother Craig, if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer. And don't forget, if you are going to be going to the fair, uh, we'll meet downstairs. We'll call it five minutes. In five minutes, we'll meet downstairs. Brother Craig, if you would.